Hello and welcome to a special live preview for our upcoming live show. I am Steve Morris. Hello everyone, I'm John Roke. I'm excited because we're talking about 80s comedies and we're talking about comedies, Steve, that will not get the full treatment of the cinephiles here from the 1980s for a sorted number of reasons, but certainly uh, our own personal reasons for why we're not doing them. Well, I mean, I think there are some movies that we might have loved at the time, you know, but don't sure. hold up to further viewings. I mean, like like Bill and Ted's. I mean, we can't really think that that's a like a classic that we would have. Wait, 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 what? No, 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 no. We did not agree that Bill and Ted would be one we wouldn't consider. So I don't know why you're bringing that up here on this live preview, because Bill and Ted is a classic. Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter. Fantastic. That third one, the less said about it, the better. But the first one changed people's lives it changed my lives and it got us to fall in love with keanu reeves so i don't know what kind of madness you're spewing from your mouth but it's not something i can agree with i'll tell you that right now well i i mean look I, we, we don't have to agree on everything but i think there are some other films that i would say hold up a lot better oh uh, you would say of course i mean uh, you're a little more judgmental with your film snobbery than i oh, am no i'm, I'm a, a film snob, no, I'm well, a film well, snob. You, you've admitted it many times here on the show i am of the people and the people say Bill and Ted is a film we should be doing. I'll tell you one we shouldn't do that I know you love is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. That's a piece of crap. I do not understand why people like that movie so much. It is Steve Martin at his lowest. It is Michael Caine. It is, I'm just, you know, cashing in the checks. The the late, great Glenn Headley is being wasted in there. She's better in Dick Tracy. And I don't know who directed it, but I don't think it's a comedy genius. So so I will agree that Michael Caine was doing a lot of crap at this era, but this movie is not included in it. It is so damn funny. And I'm telling you, the scene of Steve Martin, yes, yes, it's it's a gross scene, but him fake peeing at the table Mm -hmm. is absolutely hilarious. And I love all the twists in the movie. You're insane. I don't know. I don't go for P jokes, film snobbery. I go for something a little more elevated, even though I'm a man. Elevated like Bill and Ted's? I mean, (laughs) is that what you're saying? There's a lot of nuance and subtlety going on. (laughs) The deep and profound film. Well, Cinephiles fans, this is exactly the kind of conversation we can't wait to have with all of you because already on social media, I can see there's a lot of controversy about what are the great 80s comedies and what ones really don't deserve the full Cinephiles treatment. I can't wait to get into it because, Steve, that's what makes those great 1980s comedies so memorable to so many people, and especially because, Steve, a lot of our fans are come, come out of the 1980s, whether they were young kids or a little bit older, they love the 1980s in terms of a decade of film, and they we always get great responses when we uh, tackle films from the 1980s. So people love their comedies, and they hold on to them tight. And certainly the comedy landscape has changed so much here in 2022. So those 1980s comedies take on even more importance for those of us who love them and remember them like you and I do. So tune in this Sunday at 5 p.m. to hear John and I agree completely on all points <laughs> regarding these 80s comedies. We cannot wait to see you. That's 5 p.m. Pacific time on our YouTube channel. We'll see you there. everybody and welcome to this uh, special episode of the cinephiles live here on a sunday afternoon for those of us on the west coast but sunday evening sunday morning sunday sometime wherever you're listening <laughs> or watching us right now live uh, i am one of one half of the cinephiles here i am the outlaw john roca joined as always by my partner there steve morris steve how are you I'm good. I literally just sat in traffic for a long time, ran into the house, turned on the computer, and now I am ready to go. Yeah, ready to go and do 
this thing here we're doing live we're going live to talk about 1980s comedies that we are not going to do on the cinephile so these are 1980s comedies that we're going to revisit and talk about and you know go, you know be wax nostalgic about and remember the greatest actors directors moments scenes uh lines dialogue all of that uh here as we kind of wash off the tough stuff that has been happening over the last few days in our world and even today and just kind of remember uh, why movies are so important to us and especially why 1980s comedies have a special place in our hearts for sure for those of us who remember them and for those of us who maybe discovered them later on in life and went back and watched a bunch of them and enjoyed them so steve what do you think it is what do you think it is about 1980s comedies it just kind of separate the, uh, themselves from other decades comedies and of course, some of them are a little difficult to go back and revisit with some questionable moments, some uh, moments you would never get away with now. But overall, what is your feeling when you think about 1980s comedies? Well, the biggest thing I think is that as I was looking through, yeah. and I have to tell you what my preparation for this was. Because I went, okay, we're talking about 10, 20, 30. I don't know how many movies we're going to talk about. And I went, <laughs> well, well, I can't watch all of these films. Right, of course. And so of course. here's what I did for maybe 12 movies yeah is you know you go on youtube and you search at a movie and it shows here are some clips yes i watched the movie clips the 10 clips from back to school the 10 clips from uh weird science at two <laughs> times speed and that was my research and i'll tell you what i saw tell me is that these don't exist anymore yeah there was a time where we could be silly yes in the movie theater and it was funny too you know we've always talked about this thing that there's TV star or there's movie movie stars and there's yeah. TV stars yeah. and that and that idea that movies were elevated no sir <laughs> Dr. Detroit which has a soft spot in my heart yes is ridiculous silliness and yeah. i miss ridiculous silliness and yes i 100% agree that uh, some of the stuff maybe we wouldn't quite do it now yeah, but also, but I would also say, you know, and I agree with you. I agree with it, just about everything you said there, Steve. For me, it's it's more a matter of these are formative years in my movie yes. fandom, right? It isn't just the Back to the Futures and the, uh, you know, uh, the Amadeuses or the Chariots of Fires or the Raiders of the Lost Ark. These other, the Ghost, well, the Ghostbusters qualifies as comedy, but like, it isn't just those films that kind of laid the groundwork. The Last Emperor of me really appreciating and understanding film, uh, you know, the color purple, what have you, untouchables, all of that. It's these comedies, these comedies as well that came in and starting with Caddyshack in 1980 and kind of going forward into like, into Mr. Mom, into Gung Ho, into Night Shift, going even further then into Raising Arizona, you know, so many different flavors of comedies decorated the 1980s. John Candy became a star doing mm -hmm. these comedies in the 1980s and literally a shooting star because he came up on into the firmament had a few comedies that really hit with uncle buck and with uh with um uh uh, uh the great outdoors and plane trains summer, yeah trains and automobiles summer rental and then of course sadly passed away before he had a chance to really kind of find a second renaissance as an actor still doing some good uh, rom-coms with only the lonely and uh, a couple other ones who's harry crumb and whatever so we saw steve martin came in three amigos chevy chase with fletch so many martin short with inner space you know like there were so many tentacles and of course eddie blew up like crazy through the 1980s as well uh and we saw and we saw female comedies as well i mean working girl that is absolutely sure. a female comedy baby baby uh baby doom baby what is it baby what is the one with oh, baby boom 
Baby, Baby Boom. Boom. Right. Yeah. Look who's talking. So these oh, are yeah. all kind of good 1980s comedies that kind of fell into our lap and we could thoroughly enjoy along with the tangential comedies, the coming of age, like 16 candles and uh weird science and uh, um, sure. The uh, sure thing. And sure thing. Yeah. Pretty in pink. I was reading today a nice interview on Yahoo entertainment with Andrew McCarthy, who has a new biography out and he speaks hmm. about being part of the Brat Pack and some of that. And Weekend at Bernie's is one of my classic favorite comedies that we'll probably never do on the cinephiles that we can talk about here. Um, so those are those things. And so there was there seemed to be uh, that decade seemed to lend itself to wanting to enjoy life and be in the weirdest situations and still try to have fun and enjoy the madness of life, but also have like a message underneath everything of the comedies about the need for love or connection or understanding yeah. in our world. So I thought that's that's one of the things that kind of separates these 1980s comedies from other comedies I've seen over the last few decades. Well, it's so funny because we've talked so many times on the cinephiles about the movies that Hollywood doesn't make anymore. And mostly we talked yeah. about the dramatic, serious movies, those Oscar movies, and that Hollywood is so focused on the, yeah. you know, the big tentpole films. And we haven't talked that much about comedies. And, yeah. and, and this is the thing I've been thinking about is like, we all kind of have said or agreed, and I know you've said it many times, that the movie theaters are going to hang around, but maybe it'll only be for these big, epic, everybody goes to see them that you want, the big screen, yeah. you want the best sound. And I think that's totally true. But I suddenly went, there's no experience comedy experience like seeing it in the theater with a big crowd on opening yeah. night yeah. that is also an important communal ex communal experience yeah and i and i also think too is that being silly is okay you know yeah. yeah it's oh and even on tv it's not like there's a ton of comedy on tv i mean there is comedy and there's some yeah. good comedy but not a ton and and like i i agree with you that long list of movies and we could go on and on oh yeah there's so many films where people went out and like, let's have, let's be, make people laugh. Yeah. And different types of films, right? Airplane, the naked gun series. That yes. is also the 1980s. And then you have social commentary comedies like nine to five talking about right. showcasing what it was like for women who had just come into the workforce in, in, a, in larger numbers over the last two decades there in the sixties and the 1970s going into the 1980s and talking about the sexism and the misogyny and the harassment that they endure there at the hands of a, of a pig of a boss and Dabney Coleman. But you have, you have these superstars in Dolly Parton and Lily Tomlin, and Jane Fonda coming together to tell the private Benjamin, the birth of Goldie Hawn That's is right. there in the 1980s. She may have, you know, cactus flower and all of that, but it right. was the 1980s that where she really became a star with overboard and other films that she was a part of that she became a star. So there it's, and, 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 and you had, as I said, then there was Mel Brooks, right? History of the world, part one, Spaceballs. Mm -hmm. There was so much to enjoy here. And of course the birth of Bill Murray as well with stripes and meatballs and ghostbusters. And uh, what about Bob and numerous other films here in the 1980s where he established himself and Dan Aykroyd with the blues brothers. There was just so much here to enjoy. My stepmother is an alien with Kim Basinger. There's so much here that you could go back and really enjoy. This is I totally forgotten that one, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And there were the sex comedies, Porky's uh, Last American yes. Virgin, Revenge of the Nerds, um, which now kind of looks really different. Revenge of the Nerds now when you look it's, back. What's so it. funny about what's so terrible is that Revenge of the Nerds, just to comment on this thing, is yeah. that thematically yeah, yeah, that yeah. movie is totally about empowerment in all sorts of ways and outsiders except 
that there is a scene in there that right. is as offensive as you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. This is the interesting thing that happened when we came up with this idea. Mm-hmm. The beginning of the idea was, well, let's talk about the movies that probably aren't going to be on the cinephiles. Right. And then as soon as we started this, and then particularly when it went on social media, it became very clear yeah. that people have deep, deep love for a lot of these films. Mm-hmm. And that I don't think we can... I, I and And... What I'm feeling now is like maybe this is an opportunity to figure out one of these movies we should do on the cinephiles. Yeah, yeah, certainly. We we promoted the possibility that we're going to announce one here on the show that we are going to do uh, from the plethora. I said plethora of 1980s (laughs) comedies uh, for us to do on the cinephiles. And uh, that's certainly something we will be announcing at some point later on here in the show from Steve for sure. Um, and look, I'm just, t- there were so, like, in 1980 alone, there were 35 comedies. Just in 1980 alone, wow. there were 35 comedies. You go to 1981, and it's uh, it's about uh, 36 comedies in 1981. And you're looking at, look, remember Under the Rainbow with Carrie Fisher Ooh. and the, uh, you know, the little people. Yes, and, and, that's uh, Chevy you know, Chase, too, right? Chevy Chase, exactly, yeah. Take this job and shove it. That's another oh, yeah. one that was kind of showcasing modern problems is one that we've talked about for well are there 30 comedies in all of the 2010s i don't even know that's a great question there probably are but there's not that you know there's like four or five a year maybe yeah yeah there aren't that many yeah you know we even dumb ones like going ape with tony danza you know there's like remember and richard Pryor. i forget richard Pryor came through in the 80s here with Bustin' loose and a few other films the toy um and uh, you know so a couple other toys also problematic yes very um, problematic oh, I see. go ahead sorry go ahead. oh i just see in the chat we've seen splash go by in the chat yes. clue which which i love i'll tell you the one as i'm going i know you don't like it that's fine I'm really not a clue guy but yes that's, go ahead yes. fine um as i was going through looking at my my list or yeah. going through on youtube you know the one that popped up that i went i kind of want to watch that again what's that it's three men and a baby yes three men and a baby the remake of the french original yes three men and, a baby, and three men and a little lady which i think was right into the night i think it was 1990 or 1991 mm. three men and a little lady so just a little bit of carryover into the sequel but yeah certainly those films the police academy films were all over the 80s yeah I mean, this... we also, yeah, sorry. I was going to say one more thing here because we're looking at all these different uh, comedies that are that were rolling through here. And I was just so blown away by how many of these just call. I mean, we had the Muppets as well through the 80s. They had their films through sure. the 80s as well. Kenny Rogers tried his hand at a comedy with six packs. Yes. God's yes. Sakes. yes. So, uh, can, can, um, can we get a little more specific? Sure. Because there is one comedy I want to talk about. And this is because, unfortunately, we lost fred ward oh yes and the adventures of remo williams is i'm gonna call that an action comedy a hundred percent and also i love troubles. that movie also oh, tro- totally uh, joel gray and chinese face not cool yellow well, face not cool yeah can we i would like to separate some things out sure. which is that because a hundred percent nobody would do that today and they shouldn't right. do that today for good right. reason right it is a unbelievable respectful it, this is the most yes. powerful cool. character in the movie yes. you know and so it is funny and it is something we wouldn't do today, but it is also at that time was pretty cool, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and I love I watched it over and over and over again. And I really wanted there to be more Reba Williams movies. Yeah. And we had essentially we you could argue we had the greatest comedy, arguably, and the greatest action film in the same decade. You could argue that Tootsie 
is the greatest comedy ever written or made. And you can argue sure. that Die Hard is the greatest action movie written or made. So, I mean, what a decade to create, yes, the lower comedy with all the sex stuff and everything like that, to the medium comedies, to the life comedies, to the being married comedies, all of that, uh, like you love with modern romance, with uh, with uh, a little was it the one with Robert Brooks? What's the one you enjoy that we? Oh, know? <laughs> um, uh, Lost in America. Lost in America. That's it. Sorry, but yeah, we we had that one. But then you have stuff like Tootsie, who and there are some cream of the crop comedies that really um, transcended the genre and became these classic films uh, there in the nineteen eighties for sure. I was looking to see, but Defending Your Life is actually 91. So that yeah, is that not is an 80s yeah. comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, what's Well, this was, I mean, first of all, we could stop right now and say we should do Tootsie on the Cinephiles. I mean, Absolutely. that's a fantastic movie. Yes. Top to bottom, a fantastic movie. Yeah. Here, let me ask you this question. Sure. Of all of these comedies, now I'm not asking you what was the best one. Which is the one you probably watched the most? It's impossible to say. It's really impossible to say because I don't know, because it's been a while because of all I do now, it's been a while right. since I've turned on a 1980s comedy. It's been a while since I've been flipping. But back channels. in the day, back in the day, what back was in the, the rotation? Day, Weekend at Bernie's was number one. When I used to, when I used to manage a, uh, a video store, when my first trip through college before I flunked out, I uh, I, I was watching that nonstop um, on a loop when I was managing at a video store. So that's one of my ones that I watched. All the time. I know people have Back to the Future. I didn't, I never had the same affinity for Back to the Future as other people seem to have in terms of 1980s comedies. Uh, Ghostbusters were certainly in the rotation all the time. Major League, which is a comedy, sure, was of course. in the rotation all the time. Uh, certainly Uncle Buck was in the rotation a lot for me. Him punching the clown is one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever. Um, uh, geez, I don't know. What about you? What, what was in the rotation for you? Well, definitely not Weekend at Bernie's. You and I will agree to disagree on that. I think <laughs> I only saw person. I saw it a couple times, and then I watched clips just this morning, and I was like, "Yeah, I still can't handle this I movie." Don't understand again. that? Anyway, um, yeah. uh, I uh, definitely all the John Hughes movies. Oh, sure, sure. you know, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yep. but if we're talking about sort of the lower levels, we're not talking Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. I watch Weird Science a lot. Oh yeah, Weird I Science Weird was Science great many times. I watched Bill and Ted a ton. Yeah. I watched um I you know there's like things like Adventures in Babysitting I watched yep. many many times. Um now now my bl- brain is suddenly <laughs> drawn a blank on all these so many dude. About. There are a ton. There're literally yeah. a ton. Um def- and, and you know I I don't know how many times I watched Dr. Detroit and Dragnet. Oh. And back to school. Dragnet. Oh my god, I loved Dragnet. Are you kidding? Drag I would quote I still have the song on my 80s mix, and I know the lyrics and the rap to that song from Dragnet. That's I had that cassette soundtrack, dude. New edition had a song on that. So did I Carelessly I... in Love, which was great. <laughs> so not only do I remember the song too, and many of the lyrics, yes. I watched the music video this morning. Yes. Sexy it is video. fantastically terrible it is. in many, many ways. And then I started to play the song because Karen and Jackson, I were driving down to a party today and right. I played some of that song for her. It didn't, we didn't get through the whole thing, but like, <laughs> see that Strebeck, we're just in time. We have stumbled in on a major crime. I mean, like, I think the issue is the victim of a sacrifice. <laughs> yes. It's the best. It's that's that. <laughs> That is one of the most unrecognized, greatest 80s songs from a soundtrack ever. Tom Hanks rapping as 
uh, essentially, um, uh, Dan Boys Aykroyd ish. is someone speak rapping. Yeah, there throughout as Rick Derringer is doing the guitar and singing the chorus, which is great. Well, and just want to the- dance in our goatskin pants around this ancient ruin. That's it. <laughs> well, this is again, it's be it is silly. Yes, is it silly? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, here's what I think about Dragnet, by the way. Yeah, I think that Dragnet is maybe the best use of Dan Aykroyd's particular set of talents. I agree with you. Him playing that Joe Friday character Joe Friday. is perfect for him. Yeah, absolutely. The Virgin Connie Swale. <laughs> Don't you mean the Virgin Connie Swale? Dun, dun, dun. I mean, it's so good. Christopher Plummer honing yeah. that uh, a lisping bad man, um, pagan, people against goodness and normalcy. You've got a great um, Frank Morgan being the connective tissue to the original Dragnet, which works so well. People don't, and, and then of course, Amo Muzz, sit on it, spin copper. I mean, he's just the best um, yeah. for that. And then of course, the actress who plays the woman who's the landlord or landlady, and going back and forth with Joe and uh, and Strebeck, it's just perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shall we talk about back to school? Uh, sure, we can talk about back to school. Rodney Dangerfield having a had a renaissance in the eighties for sure yep. with Easy Money, which was a bit of a not yeah. good film with Joe Pesci. And then back to school explodes, explodes, uh, and people fall in love with Rodney Dangerfield all over again. It's such a sweet movie. And yes, there are a couple of uh, uncomfortable moments when he goes into the girl's lot, the woman's sorority, and opens the shower curtain, sees her naked, goes back out, and it looks again. It's terrible. Uh, and there's a, a, another moment, I think, later on. But I mean, you've got Sally Kellerman at the height. You've got, uh, you've got, uh, um, uh, what's it, who's the girl that play, in Star Trek? Uh, the, the, Oh God, I forget her name. The actress who plays the love interest. Uh, I don't remember uh, in the film. And then you have William Zabka, who is now back yep. as Cobra Kai being the bad guy. Uh, and you've got Ned Beatty, uh, Robert you, Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Right. You've got the actual Gore Vidal in the film. Just yeah. Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut. Shows up. Kurt Vonnegut. Sorry. Kurt you've Vonnegut. Got, yes. And you've got the Sam Kennison scenes. Yes. Yes. I mean, Ooh. well, and the thing is, and again, I watched clips of it this morning. Yeah. It's perfect Rodney Dangerfield. It just, his particular rhythm and every, it just works so well for that movie. And the triple Lindy, oh. I think is one of the most satisfying ends of any comedy movie of all time. Yes. The best. And I'll say this too, Steve, the great thing about that movie is the message underneath, which is believe in yourself. Yeah. You know, that's what he's saying to him. You know, I love the I love the thing at the beginning. If you want to look skinny, stand next to fat people. That's brilliant. <laughs> but then later on when he says, you're a melon. Since right. when did you, you know, it's almost similar. And people are going to think I'm crazy to the speech Rocky gives to his son in Rocky Balboa when he says, you're, you make excuses. That's what losers do. You got to win. The way to win is to embrace who you are. Be proud of who you are. Don't look for someone to blame. Go and do something. Because the same thing, his son was like, well, you overshadow me because your name, you came to the college, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, that's got nothing to do with it. You can stand out on your own. And it's the same thing Stallone says to his son in Rocky Balboa. So it's just like these messages still linger and are still there for people to enjoy. So underneath all of the funniness of Back to School is a really powerful message about being yourself and loving yourself. And that's the path to success. Well, some of these movies are really heartfelt. I mean, yeah. Uncle Buck, Uncle oh, Buck has got a lot there, man. Yeah, so much there. Of course, the the black sheep of the family who is brought in because of a terrible tragedy that happens yeah. uh, with his brother's wife's, uh, his, his wife is a, a, a sister-in-law, dad, and coming in, having to deal with the kids and also come to terms with the fact that, hey, you've been, you've been essentially been a man-child for quite some time here. 
you need to step up and make some changes in your life if you're going to do something good with your life. And it's, so it's just it's a great moment, a great film to kind of explore that story as well. Well, and those kids are in a they they actually need Uncle Buck. Yes. You know, that's what's so interesting is that he is the right thing to come along at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and it's so funny. It's it's when John Candy and it happens both in Uncle Buck and it happens in Planes, Trains and Automobiles mm -hmm. when he can, he goes from the ridiculous and the all the big stuff that he's so great at to the yeah. heartfelt. That's where it's like that's where it really transcends for me. You yeah, know? absolutely. Absolutely. But, Steve, you know, we talk about 1980s. You can't talk about it without Eddie Murphy. Right. I mean, this is this is the explosion of the first ever african-american box office star that is of comedy from a comedy point of view right right you have of course you had portier in the 60s and 70s but here is eddie murphy coming in with 48 hours beverly hills cop trading places and coming to america that's a hell of a foursome in any decade steve and four different types of comedies right one a really serious kind of action adventure comedy Another one about, you know, another one that focuses on uh, a little more of the comedy in Beverly Hills and a fish out of water story. Another one that's focusing on the fact that uh, making a commentary, a social commentary about race and about political and about uh, class, classism mm -hmm. in the world. And then, of course, at the end, the idea of arranged marriages, the idea of being forced to do something rather than finding actual true love. That's the key to true joy. So, so many different kinds of comedies roaming through here uh, in the 1980s for Eddie Murphy. Well, and at that, what you just described is the origins of my theory that isn't correct, but I'm going to say it again anyway, because I like it, <laughs> okay. which is that great comedians get four movies. They get their yeah. arrival movie, which is 48 hours, yes. where you suddenly go, whoa, who is this guy? This guy could be a movie star. You get their rising up movie, which is Trading Places. Yep. Then you get the... I am the biggest thing in the world, which is Beverly Hills Cop. Sure. And then you get the great swan song, which is Coming to America. Yeah. And that is largely it, you know, yeah, and this kind of, well, and it kind of is true of a lot of, it's not true for everyone, but, right. but usually for, there are people who's happened so many times where it's like, you are the funniest human in the world. How could there be anyone better and more charismatic than you? And then the two movies later, you're like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. What's happened? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Which happened. That's why it's so hard to stay on top in the, on the comedy landscape because not everyone oh, yeah. can get there. Not everyone can, can once they do get there can stay. I mean, Chevy had Fletch. Yep. And then maybe you could argue three amigos and then it pretty much doesn't well, uh, it's, go it's well. It's like for him, it's like foul play. Yeah. Foul and play. then, and right. then maybe seems like old times Fletch yes. is the top. And then, yeah. yeah, I think three amigos is the swan song. Yeah. And let's not forget Robin Williams, Steve, sure. Uh, through the 1980s, what Moscow on the Hudson. Good morning, Vietnam. Uh, there but were a he, number. But he, the difference with him is I think what is that he never did the full on comedies. You know what I mean? Like he mm. he did movies that were where he could be funny. Yes. But were dramas. Okay. So, you know what I mean? Like Good Morning Vietnam structurally is a drama. It's not a comedy. Okay. But he is hilarious when he gives those monologues. Right. Right. You know, Dead Poet Society is a drama well, that's in, a drama. Which, in which he is very funny. Well, even right. Moscow on the Hudson is a comedy, but it also is, you know, it's not, I don't know. It's, it's not a comedy like Back to the School is a comedy. You know what well, I mean? Uh, is, is Popeye a comedy? That's one of is your Which favorites. one? Popeye? Is that one of your favorites? Isn't that one it of your is, favorites? Okay. It is not one of my favorites. Tell the truth. 
I will. T- I'm telling you the. Whole, I'm going to give you the whole truth. This is the whole truth. When I this is, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the Cinephiles. I probably have. But when I was a kid, I did all the all any after school theater program there was. I did. Yeah. And in junior high, we had a theater program where we created an improv sketch comedy troupe. We charged twenty five cents for admission, and. When we had our, after our two shows, we had, I don't know, 50 bucks or something. Yeah. And we said, we are going to go to the film we are most excited about that has come out in 1980. And that film, my friend, was Popeye. And I was so excited. And I, yeah, Popeye, I love the cartoon. <laughs> Looking back on it, so, so many terrible things about that cartoon, but I loved it. It's like, you get superpowers. Awesome. And I was obsessed with Robin Williams. I watched Mork and Mindy. It was my favorite TV show. I wore rainbow suspenders. I was exactly that kind of a dork. <laughs> I was so excited to see it. And yes, I absolutely loved Popeye when I saw it in the theater. Yeah. And the more I saw it as a grown-up, I was like, oh, yeah, it's not what is good. this? This yeah. is a yeah. weird movie. <laughs> Yeah, um, I want to touch on some of my quiet favorites, and let's let's uh, touch on some of yours as well, Steve. Some of your like the ones that you love that aren't aren't necessarily considered the greatest comedies, but that they touch you for whatever reason, or they move you, or they make you laugh for whatever reason. A Better Off Dead is one of those ones that oh, yeah. I absolutely love with uh, with John Cusack, yes, and that relationship he has with the French exchange student and everything that they go through throughout that movie. That one has a special place. In my heart as well. The woman in red, which I think is one of the funniest ones with Gene Wilder. You get the sexy scene with Kelly LeBrock, but it's all about Gene Wilder coming to terms with the fact that he's pretty much a jerk for cheating on his wife. And this is something that was becoming like you could talk about it in the 1980s. Finally, a little more openly how men were not doing so not doing the right thing there and how they were cheating in business and all of that kind of stuff that was happening. So it explores that what I thought was really great. Zapped is one of my quiet favorite ones with Scott Bayo and Willie Ames. It's a, you know, it's a little sexy, maybe some issues there, but those are one of my, those are some of my favorites. Johnny dangerously with Michael Keaton and Joe Piscopo certainly having a place in my heart as well for a lot of what it does. And I think memories of me is yes, serious, but there's a lot of funny moments in memories of me as well with Billy and Alan King, two titans of comedy yeah. who are going back and forth in a father-son situation. I like it more than the Ted Danson one, Dad. I like it more than Nothing in Common than the, the Tom Hanks, Jackie Gleason one. I agree. I, I think memories yeah. of me has a sweeter heart to it and has a softer touch to it. And the comedy is there uh, uh, to enjoy overall. And I, I know there's another one. Oh, Secret of My Success? Steve. Oh, yeah. That I know people love Back to the Future. I know that I've seen Secret of My Success way more than I've seen Back to the wow. Future. That's the truth. And that's a great fucking soundtrack, ladies and gentlemen. Night Ranger, Pat Benatar. <laughs> it's some good stuff going on with the David Foster score that is fantastic. And Helen Slater was a huge crush of mine after that movie in the 1980s. Well, this is it's so it's funny. It's like the in a weird way, the Robin Williams thing, which is that someone comes along and I go, oh, I love this person. So I love Michael J. Fox in uh, Family. Wait, what is it? What's it called? The, well, comic, uh, the sitcom. No, the sitcom. Oh, family um, Ties. Yeah, Family, family Ties. ties. Right. I love the Family Ties. Then we see Back to the Future. and I love him. Love Teen Wolf, which maybe I wouldn't love as much now. So right <laughs> into Secret of My Success. And I agree. I totally loved it. I haven't watched it a lot lately. It's it, what You know what's funny now is 
we're in many ways lucky to have all of this video on demand and all of oh, these things sure. available. Yeah. And we have comic book movies coming at us all the time and Star Wars TV shows coming at us all the time. Yeah. But that prevents us from standing in the video store with your friends trying to pick out that movie. Yeah. And so you you wouldn't necessarily grab some of these things. One of them that went by that I am not putting on a guilty pleasure at all okay. is because I absolutely love it. I've watched it a ton is yeah. Roxanne. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Modern interpretation of the uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah. Story. Yeah. With, with Steve Martin and um, what's Darryl her name? Daryl Hannah. Yeah. Um, that movie is so fun. And it's, it's so funny because Steve Martin's trajectory is so odd. Yeah. Because I think what happens by the time you get Roxanne, it's almost like I think he became comfortable enough in his own skin to mm. not be that ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Like to just because he's like a full hero in that yeah. film. Right. Um, and, well. and you have like the version of a sword fight with tennis rackets. You have the <laughs> incredible again, it's and it's all referencing Cyrano, but the the I'm gonna come up with 20 better insults about my nose scene. Yeah, it's great. And it's also so this good. unrequited love story. Absolutely, and it, it totally works. Um, because of the softness of the touch of that as well. But listen, we also had some British comedy, Steve, that came through in the 1980s. I mean, Fish Call Wanda is... Oh, my God. The, I mean, one of the greatest comedies ever. We've talked about Mighty Python. They had the meaning of life uh, in, in the 1980s as well. Time Bandits is a fantastic 1980s comedy that's on Criterion for any of you all to watch. Victor Victoria with Nail and I, which is the intro introduction oh, of right. Ant. That is fantastic as well. Local Hero was a really sweet comedy with Peter Riegert and Burt Lancaster that came out. And I have the criterion as well. Gregory's Girl, which was a sweet comedy about a guy having a crush on this girl. How is he going to be able to make it happen? Um, Comfort and Joy was a fun comedy. Educating Rita with Michael Caine. Oh, right. Sure. Right. And Brazil, the Terry Gilliam comedy that was there. Um, clockwise, comedy, comedy-ish, Brazil. Comedy-ish, right? Fair enough. A uh, clockwise, which is the uh, the John Cleese work comedy, oh. and Eric the Viking, which was a kind of a bastardized Monty Python approach, yes, uh, to that story with Tim Robbins as the lead. So a lot of unusual comedies that, yeah, we had. Like I said, we had the high school comedies, the sex comedies, the elevated comedies, um, and then we have the British comedies as well. Steve, do you remember some of these? Um, absolutely. Well, let's let's start with a fish called Wanda because yeah. so fish called Wanda. It's eighty eight. That's the same summer I worked at that summer camp, and people have now heard me tell oh, the story yeah. many times of going to see Die Hard. Right. Well, fish called Wanda. We had a, I had a day and a half off. Drove down to San Francisco. Saw fish called Wanda with my friends. Thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I only had a day and a half day off, but yeah. we went and saw it the next day again, which yeah. meant I was cutting it really damn close to drive up to the mountains, and I can totally remember. <laughs> Doing the please don't fall asleep, please don't fall asleep, trying to make it back up the hill where you're taking like ice from your soda and like putting yeah. it on. You're like, okay, okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Like yeah. where I probably a responsible person would have pulled over and gone to sleep, but I was 18, <laughs> so I didn't know to do that or 19. Um, Fish right. called one is so damn funny. Yeah. And what's amazing to me is how each character is funny in a different way, right. you know, right. like John Cleese's proper British yeah. guy being held upside down by Kevin Klein, giving an apology. And by the way, the apology that he gives, I've used so many times. I'm sure I've apologized jokingly to you this way of, yeah. I offer complete retraction. <laughs> I regret any way that I've defamed you or your family. <laughs> like, and Kevin Klein wins the best supporting actor for that yeah. film as well. The, the Oscar for that film. 
it was a rebirth of Jamie Lee Curtis or yes. a reappreciation of what Jamie Lee Curtis can do because she was great in that. And it's a, a, a revisiting uh, Michael Palin, seeing the, yeah. uh, the the poor Michael Palin throughout that whole movie with his stutter and his inability to stop killing the old lady's dogs. I mean, you just throughout the whole movie. There's just so much to enjoy. And it's so well written, so well scripted as well. But Steve, we also had the comedies for the older people, right? Like Alan Alda was still making comedies all through the 1980s. Same time next year. Um, there was another one he came out with it. So he was, there was also space for like the old, because I'm looking at the numbers here, Steve. We got to almost, we got to over 60 comedies in some of these years. Just wow. in one year alone, like in 1986, is it? 1987, 58 comedies in 1987. And in 1989, which it seems like almost the last breath of them, we get across the 60 mark. Uh, and with some weird ones like The War of the Roses, Vampire's Kiss, The Al, uh, Al Yankovic UHF is 1989. We're changing a little bit, but it's a skin deep. The great John Ritter coming back with a fun Blake right. Edwards comedy that no one remembers. But I remember for the two condoms of different colors chasing <laughs> each other in the dark, which was great. But we also had another comedy that could rival uh, you could argue the greatest rom-com ever and when Harry met Sally. So absolutely decade, possibly the greatest action film, greatest comedy and greatest rom-com ever. Incredible decade for film. Well, you ran by a ton of stuff, but I, I want to, I, I want to stop briefly on, Please. on, uh, so same time next year is yes. based on a play. I did scenes from that play in high school. <laughs> um, uh, it is, it is a really, and it's one of those like really funny moves into a drama. Another Alan Alda one, which I had to check to make sure was in the eighties yeah. is, do you remember the four seasons? course with yes. carol burnett and Rita moreno and yes. sandy dennis and uh that is a really really funny heartfelt relationship movie about yeah. as you said kind of older people there's also um what was the director of the john ritter one you said oh blake edwards blake yes. edwards there's a ton yeah. of blake edwards comedies yes. is victor victoria in the 80s yes victor victoria's in the 80s yeah i mean that's that's another i mean i i'm honestly stunned yeah by these numbers yeah the, every because, every year is anywhere from 50 to 60 plus comedies or 45 to 60 plus comedies almost every year in the 1980s. It's kind of crazy to think about. So those of you who are watching us, if we miss your comedy, it's because there's motherfucking 600 comedies to yeah. talk about when you're talking about the 1980s comedies. Alan also, all the, also did Sweet Liberty, which was a comedy. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, of course, 1989, Crimes and Misdemeanors. I know Woody Allen is maybe persona non grata, but we... Uh, I think we did Crimes and Misdemeanors. We did it. So uh, Alan Alda's in that 1989. Yeah. Woody's I don't know if I... certainly still doing comedies through the 1980s as well. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call Crimes and Misdemeanors a comedy, although it does, but it is, you know, dis <laughs> despite know. Woody, it's still one of my favorite films. And yeah. it's one of my favorite episodes of The Cinephiles. I think it's a really, really good one yeah. from, from a fair amount of time ago. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, this is kind of blowing me away about <laughs> how many. Someone just posted Beetlejuice in the chat. And there's, you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is another one that's really oh, yeah. funny. Pee Wee's you know? Big Adventure is fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, Moonstruck is the 1980s as well. Mm -hmm. The birth of Cher, in, a, in essence. I know Mask had come before Moonstruck, but Moonstruck is where she wins the Oscar and becomes a real full-on icon all over again in a new decade. Well, let me ask this question this yeah. way. If, if I'm going to name <sighs> some people... Okay. And, or or a series of comedies, and Ooh. you and you pick which one you would want to watch right now. Okay. So if I said we've got uh, Bill Murray, so yes. you've got Stripes and Meatballs and Caddyshack, and I'm probably missing other ones. What, uh -huh. what which ones would you want to watch? 
from the uh, well, <clears throat> clearly Caddyshack is the number one choice. I love Caddyshack to pieces. Ghostbusters is certainly in the conversation. Tootsie is in the conversation. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors is in the oh, conversation. That's right, yeah. Scrooged is in the conversation. Well, you love Scrooged. I, I know that's Scrooged. well. You know what's the difference too, by the way, is that might be my choice. Scrooge might be my choice. I'm not. I wouldn't surprise me at all for you. The the thing about Bill Murray, the Bill Murray movies, is when he's in them, they are fantastic. Like what's weird about Caddyshack is Bill Murray, Rodney Dangerfield, Chevy Chase, and Ted Knight, yeah, are hilarious. But the main character, who's the caddy, who cares? Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. When when Bill Murray gives O'Keefe, yeah, yeah, when Bill Murray gives those speeches and meatballs. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. The rest of meatballs is like, okay, you know, okay. whatever. Yeah. Where Scrooged is all Bill Murray. Right. That that's is like, him. That would be my first choice because it's all Bill all the time. Um, let's get to some Streamlabs and Super Chats, yes. Steve. We've got any, you guys, I put the Streamlab for whatever reason. Uh, YouTube is not letting me put it in mainly in the chat to pin it in the chat. So I'm going to keep posting it every few minutes here in the chat right now. But we've got a couple of Streamlabs and Super Chats. That have come through. So let's address them here and bring them up on the screen for the ones that actually were sent in through the super chat so we can uh, read them together. Uh, JMB says, clearly the 80s classic that Cinefaz has to cover is Goonies. Waits for Roka's reaction. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Well, the reaction is we already did it. We did a live show on Goonies with we Shannon did. and Mike Vogel. So go back and look in the archives. Yeah, where have you been, JMB? We already did it live, son. Uh, Jason McDonald says, love the show. This one is on the Underhills card. I've used the Underhills so many times. I've charged so many things to the Underhills. Uh, can you explain it to the people who might not know, Steve? What is so, the Underhills reference? So the Underhills is when is that in Fletch at the Country Club, Chevy Chase, who is I. By the way, Chevy Chase, when he is funny, is yeah. one of the funniest humans ever. And yeah. in Fletch, his rolling, his uh, continually conning and lying everybody and changing is so funny. And this is the people who he charges his lobster dinner to. Yeah. And everything else was the Underhills. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the Underhills, that's right. ES13 says, how do you think the way society was influenced? How do you think the way society was influenced the 80s comedy era? Uh, maybe he's trying to say, how do you think society influenced the 80s comedy era? Coming to America is my favorite, but also show some love for running scared. You don't have to tell me to show some love for it. I literally watched the last 45 minutes four or five days ago because it was randomly on uh, on HBO and I was watching it. I love that comedy. I wish there had been a sequel. Peter Hyams directed it. And one of the greatest mistakes of my life was three years ago. But when I lived in L.A., the last year I was living in L.A., he went to the New Beverly with Darlan Flugel, who is the main actress in the film. She teaches now at a college, I think, on the East Coast. And Peter Hyams was there to, to screen Running Scared and to have a Q&A. And I would have sat there like a stupid child with a big dumb grin on my face because I love that movie so much. And damn it, I didn't go because of mm. whatever scheduling issues or whatever was going on. I, mean, I was too tired. And I regret that to this day because I love this movie. Steve. Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines are... Oh. And it's such a weird pairing. Like you have this yes. great dancer with this great comedian are going to now be buddy cop movies in it and it's full action i mean and, it's and hard-ass buddy cop movie like, yeah. these guys don't, don't don't take prisoners yeah and it totally totally works oh um i'm thinking about this question and here's the thing i'm going to try to say a thing that's going to try to walk a weird line okay which is on the one hand we've already talked about there's a bunch of stuff that we used to think is funny that you know really wasn't that funny 
Yeah. Making fun of an Asian guy by calling him Long Duck Dong and hitting a gong every time yeah. he comes into frame, even though Long Duck Dong is a relatively cool character, it's yeah. not that funny. No. Pe guys peeping in on naked women who are changing their clothes, that was we thought that was funny. It's not funny. That's not actually, it's abusive. That's terrible. But here's the line I would like to walk is that what comedy can do is point us at things that are uncomfortable that maybe we don't want to see yeah. and allow us to laugh at it and see it, mm -hmm. you know? So it's not that I think that comedy needs to totally stay away from all things that might be uncomfortable, but I do think comedy it's important. It's good that comedy has changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wouldn't it be fascinating to do a movie set in the 1980s where you're making a comedy and you're the person trying to make them aware of the mistakes they're making. It would be such a high wire act to pull off, but could be fascinating in a way to have a conversation about this meta wise in the movie itself. As I love that idea. I love that idea. And, and, and it would be great to see, to basically, I mean, essentially to make the guys peeking into the locker room, make them the ridiculous ones. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Look at it from a different perspective. I think that's a I think that's a great idea. And I think it's like, you know, is prostitution a serious issue? Yes, it absolutely is. Yeah. Does that mean that we shouldn't have Dr. Detroit who becomes a pimp and goes to the players ball with James Brown? I mean, like, it's a ridiculous, absolutely <laughs> ridiculous thing. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, going into the ridiculous over yeah. things that are real things, that's yeah. not necessarily bad, you yeah, know? But he's a good pimp. He's like a pimp who cares. Well, that's the whole lady. point. That's the whole point. That's why, that's why they're happy to have him, yeah, you know? Exactly. It works so well. <laughs> Doctor Detroit. I think it was uh, Howard Hessman who is the... Howard Hessman, yeah. The yes. mean pimp, right, exactly. Uh, who also kind of ruled the 80s with Heather Class and WKRP over oh, the last two years of WKRP and then the stuff that he had, uh, my, was it uh, my private tutor or my chauffeur, whatever he was in that was weird. Um, Justin Toner sent in, he said, hi, John and Steve. Steve Martin ruled in the 80s with the man with two brains, dead men don't wear a plaid, which I quietly love. Yes. Three amigos, plain strange animals, parenthood, right? And dirty, rotten scoundrels, some of my favorite comedies ever. Yeah, Steve Martin. Ruled. And all of me. He left out all of me. All There's of another me. Yeah, one. Yeah, with Hummer. Yeah. I, so again, I watched some clips of all of me. Steve Martin's physical stuff, playing two people in one body, amazing. When he is hit by the bowl, bucking bowl, mm. bucking bowl. When he's hit by the bowl, and the physical comedy in the on the sidewalk, yes, until he sees himself in the rearview mirror as Lily Tomlin, is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, and again, I go. This is like, it's okay to be silly in a movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're not. It's okay. We could, and you know what? Maybe this is. Maybe I'm going to make a, a a demand. I'm going to make a cry for comedy to come back <laughs> into the theater because we need to laugh. Like yeah, maybe I, this is part of the thing: is all of us getting together in a room and laughing at some silliness. That I think that's what we're doing now, and I think sadly that's the extent of it, Steve. The '80s were just a looser time. There was cocaine. There was money. There was Reagan. People wanted to, there was, you know, neon green, neon pink. People wanted to enjoy themselves. Music was fun and vibrant and boisterous and a joy. We didn't know what was going on on the streets in the inner city. We knew about the drug situation, but we kind of didn't see it every night like we did going into the 1990s and gangster rap really waking us up to what was happening in the streets in a lot of these cities between the police and the uh, communities of color. We didn't have that. We were disillusioned in the 1980s to think 
anything was possible. Money could be made at any time. You could be successful at any moment. And we got lost in that kind of thing. And so that was where all these, that's why we wanted to go and have fun because we were loving the world. And even amidst the idea of nuclear war hanging over our heads of the 90s, maybe that added to it, the feeling of like, this could go away at any moment. And I don't sense that here nowadays uh, in our society, that there's this overwhelming desire to have fun and enjoy the moment for sure. Uh, so even the Marvel movies are getting deeper and deeper and exploring uh, the travails of being a hero or trying to be a hero. So I don't know. I would love it, but I don't know if we could ever create like the comedies like we had the golden age. In, and I think I'm ready to say 1980s, a golden age of comedies. I, I think it's like the 30 screwball comedies. Yes. And and then maybe maybe TV becomes sort of the, where the comedy is really happening in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And then comedies in the 80s. Absolutely. Well, and I think I don't know. I like what's so, so funny is the 80s is when I got serious, I would say. That's <laughs> when I started to read. And obviously, I'm a serious person on me. I mean, I, I hope that I have a good sense of humor. Sure. But like, I like heavy topics. I'm interested in heavier things. Yeah. And the 80s is where I started to read those darker books. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to learn that stuff. But I was still fucking watching back to school. Of you know, the good balance. You keep. The yeah, balance. that's what you absolutely. Need yeah, yeah. Let's read another one here from from Carol. Uh, my cousin and I spent a lot of time together in the 80s, early 90s. Our family was very big on movies, especially comedies. Mel Brooks was a big staple. I'm sure we were too young for History of the World Part 1 and Spaceballs, but we knew all the words also. Um, and I know John hates it, but Clue is one of my favorite movies. I've seen it over 50 times. Some other movies in constant rotation for us with big business. Yeah. Ben oh, yeah. Also Forgot about that one. Yes. Of course. True Beverly Hills with Shelley Long. Twins, yeah, Schwarzenegger. Twins, right? Uh, Trading places, dirty rotten scoundrels, the money pit, and for me, Heather's, right? Oh, another right. Different approach to comedy there as well, Steve. That there, there's a lot of great things in there. First of all, Twins is another movie. I Twins I saw twice in the same day. <laughs> I I watched it a few years ago, and it totally holds up. I oh, think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, I love Clue. I watch Clue over and over again. The speed and humor of it, I think, is fantastic. You don't have to like it. It's fine. I, I don't I'll like Weekend at Bernie's. And I'll raise your Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and dislike Weekend at Bernie's. You can sit there and dislike yes. Clue. Strangely <laughs> enough, both of them have a dead body in them. Yes, they do. Interesting. Yes, they do. Coincidence? I say no. <laughs> and flames <laughs> on your face. Yes, go ahead. Yes. Um, and now I drew a blank on what some of the other ones are listeners. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beverly Hills. Yeah, True Beverly Hills, uh, a big business, uh, uh, trading places, dirty rotten scoundrels, and the money pit. And head. Oh, yeah. well, and this is the other thing. So the money pit is that what's so interesting, you know, we it came up actually in an upcoming episode of the Cinephiles. Mm. We were discussing actors who made the leap from TV to film, and yeah. we did not mention Mr. Tom Hanks. Of course. Because yes. what's so interesting, Tom Hanks, who has become one of the most beloved, one of the most nominated, one of the biggest dramatic actors are, for the 80s, he was a full in all the comedies. Yeah. yeah. And he is so damn funny. He's one of those people who is funny even when the movie isn't actually being that funny. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Tom Hanks. It's been the most incredible... Uh, thing because he's like the Madonna of comedy actors. The way he's, the way he is able to reinvent himself mm. every few years, right? Starts out with stuff like Bachelor Party, which is really 
difficult to watch now yeah. with, with some of the stuff they do in bed. But no, sorry. Starts out with bosom buddies, right? He's right. playing a guy dressing up as a woman, the old Milton Burrow thing. Right. And it works with him and Peter Scolari. Then he gets in the bachelor party, but then you have Splash, which is so sweet. Mm-hmm. And the man with one red shoe, which is weird. And then the money pit, which just him laughing into the madness of it all mm-hmm. through that hole. Then you have nothing in common with him and Jackie Gleason, that father-son type of thing. Then Dragnet is 1987. Right. Then Big is the explosion. Right. Punchline, Turner and Hooch, Joe versus the Volcano. And then slowly there starts to be a turn with Bonfire of the Vanities. Wasn't that great? Mm-hmm. But he was trying to do something more serious. Then League of Their Own. And now we go into Philadelphia and Apollo 13 and Forrest Gump. So he becomes this really serious actor. And as he slides into the mid-2000s, now he's doing these interesting films like Charlie Wilson's War and The Da Vinci Code. He's an right. action hero. Yeah. And then he becomes a producer for these space uh, uh, documentaries. Right, uh, World for, War II. Yeah. yeah, for the World War II documentaries. And, beca- and even directs what a lot of people feel is one of the best musical fake biopics ever with that thing you do. So mm-hmm. an incredible reinvention. Tom is always changing and shows up in the weirdest places. He was in a Carly Rae Jepsen video four years ago uh, just playing himself. And he's singing all the lines, singing all the lyrics, and it's really sweet. And Tom just has this ability to constantly be changing uh, and be someone in demand by the industry to do what he can do. So, I mean, it's just fascinating. Producer, director, actor, all those things. And he's incredible at it. Well, and seems like he's a good guy. Yes. You know? Yeah. And he's I mean, about this is... to do the Elvis film. which is Oh, the, yeah. That's, that right. will definitely be interesting. Yeah. I I thought he was so funny. And what, what's interesting to me, and this is why he's back many, many times to Saturday Night Live, yeah. is when Tom yeah. Hanks commits, he commits fully. Yeah. You yeah. can't do that kind of comedy unless you fully do it, you know? Yeah. 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 And that, that is totally what he does. And let me throw out Toy Story. He reinvented voiceover work course, yeah. for stars with Toy Story. So, yeah, I mean, just incredible stuff. Yeah, Homo Erectus mentioning After Hours. Yes, that comedy... Uh, uh, there with uh, was it Michelle Pfeiffer and I think Griffin Dunn after hours, and that's Scorsese, right? That is Scorsese, yeah. That, that is a weird a, movie that's... that almost won me a Schmodown match as a five pointer, my man. Nice. I got that one, so yeah, exactly. Um, Spies Like Us, I'm not a Spies Like Us person, but I know there are people who love that film. That to me is where those guys are going down, it's on the <laughs> way down, and it, but but it's also well, here's the thing though, because it also depends yeah. on when you caught it. Like, people I... are talking a lot about History of the World Part One and Spaceballs. I am not a huge fan of Spaceballs. I've watched it many times. Yeah. History of the World, because it's like scenes, some of those I think are the funniest damn thing in the world. Oh, I agree. And some of them less so. A little comf- uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like the first of all, the joke, I bring you these 15, 10, <laughs> 10 commandments. Is awesome. It's one of the great jokes. That is like a perfect joke. <laughs> oh, I love that joke. I mean, there and, and the, the Inquisition song is fantastic. Oh, the Inquisition. What, a, what show. a show. I mean, that's a that is great. The but for me, the great yeah. Mel Brooks movies are the ones of the 70s, you know. Producers, oh, wow. um, uh awesome. Blazing Saddles, um, my mind just went back, Young Frankenstein and High Anxiety. Those are the peak Mel Brooks. Yeah. And History of the World's got a lot of great stuff, and Spaceballs is good and then they go you get real diminishing returns yeah after that after that yeah absolutely um we haven't even touched on uh, touched on michael keaton uh uh, he's about to come back again as batman in the flash movie later on this year but 
Here is Michael Keaton in the 1980s. By the way, did not know he was a recurring character on the Mary Tyler Moore Hour in 1979. I did not know that. Yeah, crazy. Uh, Night Shift, which is the great Ron Howard film. I think it's Ron Howard's first film. I think so. With Henry Winkler. Right, with Henry Winkler. That's right. And I think Shelley Long, who plays Mm. the prostitute that they're both kind of have a thing for. Then Mr. Mom steps in. Again, Mr. Mom is a is a groundbreaking comedy. This is when fathers, it was starting to be something that was happening in our society that men were losing their jobs because of takeovers or what have you, and were staying home while women were going to work. So what an interesting uh, thing to explore here uh, with Terry Gar going to work, and he has to make it work as a dad. And it's such a sweet comedy. You know, and Martin Mull is an absolute jerk, like he likes to play in a lot of films. Then Johnny Dangerously. Well, hold on. Can can I say something about Mr. Mom first? I think that is a perfect example of how our society has advanced. Yeah. Because you could do a comedy then, which is a totally pro-female progressive Mm. idea of, hey, let's learn about what the mom actually does by forcing this guy to do it. And isn't it amazing how tough it is? And we haven't really paid attention to that. And that is the progressive thing then. Today, if you go, oh, my God, the dad is having to do mom's work. Yeah. If you had that thought today, that's like ridiculously sexy. Oh, you woke Hollywood. You woke Hollywood. One of the funniest things that hap- that's happened many times, because so many things, even in woke Hollywood, yeah. they're still oriented towards mom. Of course. You know, and so there are things where uh, there'll be a note from the pediatrician that says, well, have mom do this. And it's like, yeah. whoa, why mom? Or I would, because, I, you know, I love to cook. So I would cook something and bring it to the potluck at the whatever, you know, and someone takes a bite of the thing and goes, oh, Steve, this is so delicious. You have to have Karen get me the recipe because they assume that Karen cooked it. And it's like, we're still dealing with these weird sexist tropes yeah. of like, what, well, the men are supposed to do this and the women are supposed to do this. But I feel <laughs> like we've come a long way since Mr. Mom, oh, yeah. which is still really funny. And that was and that was great about the 1980s comedies too, Steve. As we mentioned, Baby Boom, Working Girl, things were changing. The dynamics mm-hmm. of women and men were changing. More women were being in the workforce, so these films were being being made to showcase that experience for sure. As we mentioned earlier, nine to five. But let's get going, with Michael Keaton, Johnny Dangerously. After that, which is one of a a, a lot of people's closet favorites, mm-hmm. eminently quotable, quotable, farging ice holes. My mom hung me on a hook once once a uh, gung-ho which is an interesting film that was taking advantage of something that was happening mm-hmm. currently in the 1980s which was these auto manufacturers competing with japanese auto manufacturers and some of them getting bought out yeah. to deal with that um and we just had a documentary a few a couple of years ago called american factory where that was happening where an asian conglomerate was coming to take over an american company what that clashing of cultures what that experience was like in the documentary but here it is a gung-ho in 1986 kind of exploring that then you have she's at, uh, then you have a beetlejuice right clean and sober which is a bit of a which is a heck of a Death drama Archer, yeah it's good yeah. actually it's a good it movie is. and then a quiet favorite for some people the dream team with with a hell of a cast with christopher lloyd uh stephen first who was flounder from uh from um, right, right. animal house uh and then you and uh peter boyle was in this lorraine brocco is in this so not a lot of people are in this as michael keaton is kind of this leader of these people in a mental health and what they kind of get into as they break out from it 
and right. what they explore. So very, very interesting stuff for Michael Keaton. But this was the birth of Tom Hanks, Michael Keaton, Melanie Griffith, uh, uh, um, uh, Diane Keaton again, all over again mm-hmm. in the 1980s. So many people, Eddie Murphy, as we mentioned before, Bill Murray really coming into his own, Dan Aykroyd doing a bunch of comedies in the 1980s. So many people were born from the 1980s comedies uh, and really kind of established themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's interesting to me is how many of those people actually transition to more serious films. Yeah. Of you course. know, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I wonder if maybe Golden that's, Thomas. yeah, I wonder if that's maybe a corollary to my theory that isn't actually accurate about <laughs> big comedic comedies big comedians only get four films is that if you don't transition it's going to stop working yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. like it's you like just I, come up with theories randomly when you're sitting around don't you, you just i do no i live well first of all you know that my burning man playa name is theory i don't i don't go to burning man that's all you guys and your crew so well, yeah i, I don't do. really I go do. either anymore i maybe i'll go again someday but yeah no okay. i lit not only is that true i literally like we, we we're not going to go into it now, but we had a, a thing on one of your uh, Outlaw Nation shows oh, where yeah. I was talking about a thing after it. I was disappointed in how I talked about it. And I have been thinking over and over again about how to explain this thought better. OK, that is what it's like in Steve Morris's brain. <laughs> it's not always that fun. But yeah. I do come up with stuff. <laughs> That's true. You do. Um, Bill, we haven't even mentioned Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I mean, that film. With Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, which of course was a fun little banter between us on our preview, <laughs> that's an excellent film as well. Uh, that kind of explores, it kind of takes the the stoner approach to the idea of history, and yet at the end you kind of you kind of come away deceptively a little more smarter than you were when you went in. If you didn't know about the Napoleon or about Billy the Kid or any of these things, that kinds of stuff, it's there for you to explore in the movie. Well, I would say if you knew absolutely zero That's what I'm when saying. you started, you would know more than zero when you finished. I'm going to tell you right now, Steve, <laughs> there were a lot of people who knew zero about Fair. Um, but whether or not you would learn much is it true. But I'll tell you, I watched clips of Bill and Ted this morning. Yeah. It looks, it's hilarious. I want to watch it again. It's a really good movie. It's a, it, And what's so great about that movie, and I know we were joking about it on the our preview, yeah. but what's so great about it is they managed to do this kind of miraculous thing, which take the take these two morons <laughs> and make you like them so much yeah. and make the movie actually be about something right. and super, super fun. And you can't ignore the fact that George Carlin is the coolest of the cool oh in that film. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I want to take a moment. Is there anyone like we can yeah, We had Johnny B. Good. Oh, yeah. Mystic Pizza, the birth of Julia Roberts sure. in the 1980s with Mystic Pizza. That was one as well. Oh, and Michelle Pfeiffer, Married to the Mob, quietly a great 1980s comedy with her and Matthew Modine and Dean Stockwell playing mm, the corrupt mm-hmm. gangster who is trying to kill her because he thinks she might have information about their operation because he killed her husband, who I think is Alec Baldwin, who dies in the hot tub while she's passed out. Um, so, yeah, so there's so much uh, people who are introduced here uh, to us for the first time. Uh, as well and then we have some terrible comedy steve we'd be remiss <laughs> there are some bad ones right ishtar which uh, i was reading on yahoo today that apparently ishtar has become a cult classic which i will never understand uh but yeah they were just talking about it on yahoo entertainment that that is now a cult classic for a certain section of people okay um, and i remember that one being a huge uh um bomb for sure um 
yeah, it, it is a huge bomb. Yeah. Um, well, here, here I'll tell you one that um, I think this is 80s. It might be 1990, but I think it's 80s. Okay. That I watched over and over again, had the soundtrack <laughs> to sing songs off the soundtrack. Okay. Forced Karen to watch decades yeah. later. Yeah. It was not good. And that is tape heads. Oh, yeah. Tape heads, the Tim Robbins one. Right? Tim Robbins and John Cusack. Right. Oof. It's not, it's so funny because I watched it over and over again and I thought it was really good. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, a fun little one that I throw out there, if, I don't know if you've seen, uh, Steve, is Tough Guys. I love Tough Guys. Kirk Douglas, Burt Lancaster, these guys are out there in their 60s and 70s coming back together as old bank robbers who are coming mm-hmm. back into society in the 1980s and kind of experiencing the society of the 1980s after what they remember society being like with Dana Carvey as their social worker and Eli oh, Wallach right. as the main villain who is coming after them, also with Darlan Flugel from Running Scared as the girlfriend of Kirk Douglas for a little while while she's jazzercising and all of that. What I love about that, A, is that is a classic I'm trying to go straight yes. movie. <laughs> I love that. And that B, they are tough guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they are, these guys are super cool. Yeah. You know what it is? It's like... uh well, I would have to tip what the mo- next movie that we're going to do Ooh. on the Cinephiles is let's, to make this comment. Should we wait on that? We're, we're, we, I don't think we're there yet. Should we wait? Okay. On that? Well, well, here's what I'll say. Okay. Is that it suddenly occurred to me, and only John Roca will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Kirk Douglas and um, uh, what's his name? Why is my brain Burt not Lancaster? Burt Lancaster. <laughs> they are like the two main characters of the movie that we're talking about. If they got mm-hmm. sent to prison for 30 years and then got out. Yeah. Ooh, that is who hints. they are. Good. You hints. see what I'm saying, right? Yeah. yeah, I do. I do absolutely do. Um, let's see some other bad comedies. You have some other bad comedies or some comedies that weren't that great that uh, you can think of? Well, you've said some that I actually don't think that are that great. How uh dare you? Johnny How... dangerously, I don't oh, think actually is that great. Um what is wrong with you? Oh, there's some others, but I don't remember <laughs> what they were. I remember Legal Eagles. Oh, that, yeah. Remember that one? That one with Robert Redford, Daryl Hannah, and Deborah Winger. Um, and I remember Rod Stewart came out with that song, Love Touch, and he did an interview and he said, I am never doing a song for a soundtrack again because he was so insulted that he had sold out so hardcore for pop music that mm, he made a song funny. that was beneath his talent like that for a film like League of Legals, which was quietly not a bad film, not a bad comedy. No, it's good. We haven't mentioned uh, one we did on the Cinephiles years ago, uh, Midnight Run. Oh, yeah, Midnight Run. We do that with Matt Nost. That's right. And that one to me is like, oh, Robert De Niro's really funny. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, De Niro's always up for a comedy, right? Meet the Parents. Um, some uh, uh, In Stardust, he plays kind of a comedic character as well, which is really cool. But also, Steve, this is Spinal Tap, right? I mean, we have the Rob Reiner of the 1980s with Spinal Tap. With uh, with um, uh, when Harry met Sally, with what am I what am I blanking on the middle one there? The sure thing, Stand by Me, Princess Bride, Princess Bride. That's the one I was trying to think of. Yeah. So I mean, his touch. Well, I I know I've said it many times, but I still say that his run of the first run of seven or eight movies is among the greatest of any director in history. Yeah. And I will stand by that statement. Going from Spinal Tap, amazing, introduces the mockumentary. Yeah. Um, The sure thing, I think, is. I think the sure thing, unlike all these other sort of sex comedies, quote unquote sex comedies, is probably the most wholesome. 
<laughs> I think it's whole. Th it sounds because the whole point of the movie is there's someone that is a sure thing for sex that I'm going to travel yeah. across the country to meet them. But yeah. it is actually much more. It happened one night, and it is much more a romantic comedy. And that we're actually not about that. Yeah. I think that movie's really good. I think Stand by Me totally holds up. Yes. And then to go into the Princess Bride when Harry met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, and the American <sighs> President. Good God. That is a run of movies, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I was watching his roast last night from a few years ago with Triumph for the Insult Comic Dog giving him a, a once-over, oh. which was really funny. Um, <laughs> YouTube wormholes are so terrible for me. I don't... Oh, also, um, the 1980s gave us Nicolas Cage with Valley Girl, right? I mean, oh, we, Jesus, yes. we saw him in a small movie, in, in a small role, rather, in Fast Times, but it's really Valley right. Girl where Nicolas Cage starts to become somebody people watch, then Raising Arizona, then Vampire's Kiss, uh, and a couple other films that kind of really establish himself, both dramatic and comedically, uh, there in the 1980s as well, man. Someone I see in the chat just posted, uh, oh. White Men Can't Jump. That's 90s. Is it 90s? Yeah, it's 91, okay. 92, yeah. Well, I love it. It's a great movie, but sorry, we cannot discuss it. No, but we can discuss Wildcats, which is Justin Toner bringing that up. Right. Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson, Esai Morales, uh, Swoozy Kurtz, a young Swoozy Kurtz. Swoozy. Stacy Keach's brother James Keach as the mm -hmm. villain in this movie. Um, and it once again, this comedy about a woman stepping into a man's job yep. and doing it better than a man or as good as a man as she takes over because she's a massive fan or she grew up being a massive fan of sports. What Hayden Penitary is in Remember the Titans, mm -hmm. Goldie Hawn originated back in Wildcats, which a lot of people don't remember or have never seen. And she's great in it. She outruns all those dudes when they all question her. They all so quietly a very powerful feminist movie about the fact that she's just as good, if not better, than any man in doing the job that she needs to do in resuscitating this high school football program. And it works. It's totally. not like Dangerous Minds, the white savior thing. It's quite different, and I think it works for that reason. Well, because I don't think it's about the the racial. Right. It's that's not what it's about, right? Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, but my memory is that it totally works. Yep. Um, I am going to say it again. I already said it. I am blown away by the number of comedies <laughs> we're talking about. Yeah, I we, think that's why my adult brain isn't tracking them so much because I'm yeah. like, wait, we've we have we mentioned 200 films? I mean, how, how many movies have we least, mentioned here? There's more. There's so many more to mention, but you're absolutely right. We've mentioned a few of them. We probably have come close to 200. Oh, one of my favorites, my favorite year with oh, Peter O'Toole. Absolutely love that movie. Mark Lynn Baker. So good. That I've I watched that absolute ton. I haven't seen it recently, oh. but there's it is so quotable. It's so funny. It's so heartfelt. Yeah, and it, it has and you know it kind of relates in a weird way to Tough Guys in the sense that yeah. it's so satisfying. Yeah, when in the end Peter O'Toole becomes the Errol Flynn hero that he had played on screen. You know, it's just yes, so that great. moment yeah. is so great. It's so sweet, man. It's such yeah. a sweet, sweet movie um what's the one i was oh yeah and there was some more elevated comments right like diner eating sure. raul um my dinner with andre i would argue is a bit of a comedy with the back uh, more of an intelligent pipe in your mouth with the cuffs on your uh, on your elbows comedy but still a comedy um, what one yeah. of the one of the great supporters of the cinephiles who's been on patreon since the very beginning Ooh. who's an old friend of mine yeah. matt grieber has been asking us to do diner from the beginning i have never seen it 
Wow. So I will happily do Diner. I haven't seen it in a long time. I liked it. It was never a movie I watched over and over again. For me, the Barry Levinson movie, we did The Natural, which I adore. The one that I watched over and over again, which is another one we haven't even mentioned, is Tin Men. Tin Men, yes, with Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah, I love Tin Men. Tin Men is so... But but Diner, I mean, it's an important film in lots of ways. Yeah, and the and the um, remember the Maxwell Smart movie from the nineteen eighties? Oh yes, I do. The nude bomb. The nude bomb. <laughs> you know, you mentioned them a long time ago, but we haven't really talked about. But the, all the Naked yeah. Gun movies, airplane oh. going into the Naked Gun movies, that's yeah. a, a whole genre of film. You yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So just incredible how many different types of films of comedies rather that we got during this time in the nineteen eighties. So many different genres and types of comedies that that could just kind of slide into multiple um, arenas. Oh, and I haven't, I haven't even mentioned Dudley Moore. Right. With, with Arthur, Arthur. Yeah. And author, author. And oh, no, that's Pacino's author, author Pacino. Yes, I think. So. Yes. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Dudley Moore with Arthur and, uh, you know, a few other films through, during this time, Mickey and Maude uh, and a couple other films to, that he was in um, uh, through dur- during this uh, 1980s you know, kind of, and did the sequel to Arthur, too, which really was not good. The sequel to Arthur. No, it's terrible. It's pretty bad. Oh, but also Steve King and comedy with Jerry Lewis and Robert De Niro, the Scorsese comedy. There. Well, that's it. That, that it's so funny. That and After Hours are comedies oh. through the eyes of Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Are they comedies? Yes. <laughs> uncomfortable comedies. But they're uncomfortable yeah. and stressful and, you know, weird and disturbing, but comedies. Yeah. yeah. We also got Strange Brew uh, based okay. on that show. So, oh, that sketch. So I listened to the album great white north with i listened to it over and over again steve take off you hoser yeah you take off <laughs> like i can be listening now in my head i'm hearing the 12 days of christmas or whatever <laughs> it is that song right. five golden dukes <laughs> so i i have not watched strange brew in a long oh, time yeah i'm assuming it w- will not hold up well probably not but i did like it at the time yeah yeah um, another terrible comedy, uh, uh, Best Defense, where you had Dudley Moore and Eddie Murphy, and they didn't share one second of screen time on screen together. How the hell do you come up with a comedy that does not have both the men that you're that are in your film sharing the screen together? I don't think I ever saw it. Oh wow! Don't yeah. ever see it. It's horrible. What's crazy though is there are some other movies I probably haven't seen in mm. all the ones we talked about, but very few. Yeah. Almost yeah. all of these I actually did see. What about Rhinestone? <laughs> okay, I saw it, yeah. <laughs> but I think the less said about it, the better. <laughs> Another interesting comedy, too, that was kind of the maybe anti-high school comedy was Teachers. Seeing high school. Oh, I didn't see that one. We got two in a row that I didn't see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick Nolte, Joe Beth Williams. That's right. Really interesting kind of more serious comedy, but still a comedy exploring what it's like to be a teacher you know you had the john hughes movies this was the other side of it where you really saw what was going on in some of these high schools and kind of opening the door to Mm. the idea that these kids uh i mean uh, i think um uh, the principal was the 1980s as well with uh, jim belushi lean on me is 1980s with uh with uh uh, morgan freeman Freeman, yeah yeah you're seeing stand and deliver is 1980s so you're seeing the, the counter programming to the john hughes high school movies you're seeing these other more hardcore high school movies of what is happening uh, in these inner city schools or in these harder edge schools. Yeah. Which we're still dealing with nowadays for sure. Um, what about Repo Man? You ever seen Repo Man? Okay. 
Again, it's interesting the ones that relate to stories. My dad loved Repo Man. Oh, yeah. Repo My Man. dad, we watched that a ton. Wow. And it's I think it's produced by Mike Nesmith. Yeah. Yep. And it has the sort of, it has the total pulp fiction. There's something in the trunk of the car that we never see. <laughs> right. It is such a bizarre movie. And it's, you know, I think that's peak Emilio Estevez. I guess, oh, yeah. no, I guess the later on with uh, uh, whatever Mighty the Ducks. Mighty Ducks, that's yeah. probably... But but it's such an odd. That might be the first really cult film that I watched over and over again. Oh yeah, it's certainly a cult yeah. film, no yeah. doubt. Um, what's the one I was looking at? Oh, Real Genius, Val Kilmer with Top Secret and Real Genius, kind of showing that he can do comedy as well. A lot of people like Real Genius. I know that's a favorite, but not of you. But not you. <laughs> no, I don't like Real Genius. I mean, it's okay. I'll I, take Top Secret over Real Genius any day. I think Top Secret is a funnier movie because again, and that's those guys. That's this. Yep. That's the airplane naked gun guys. Right. I think Top, but I think what Real Genius is, I would say Real Genius is to Val Kilmer as um. Uh, now I can't remember. Uh, is Ryan Reynolds in um? What's the college one? Oh, Van uh, Wilder. In Van Wilder. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'll say. Was that okay. what it is? Is is Real Genius a great movie? Not particularly. Is right. Val Kilmer unbelievably charismatic, charming, and funny? Yes. Yeah. And that's what I think about Van Wilder. I don't think Van Wilder is a particularly good movie, but I think Re Ryan Reynolds is like just bursts off the screen. Yeah. You know? Listen, for our female viewers, I'm sorry I haven't mentioned girls just want to have fun. I know a lot of women who's uh, one of their favorite 1980s comedies is Girls Just Want to Have Fun uh, with, I think, Sarah Jessica Parker and a few other actresses that were a part of it. And listen, we'd be remiss, speaking of ladies who may who got their names in the 80s through comedies, I mean, we were remiss not to mention Kathleen Turner, Romance oh, in the sure. Stone, uh, yeah. The Jewel of the Nile, Pritzi's Honor, War of the Roses. I mean, this is an incredible run for Kathleen Turner as well, brother. And now I have another story. You keep on bringing up movies that I have stories about. <laughs> Here's the story for War of the Roses. Many, okay. many people know that I had a crush on Karen in starting in 1988. Yeah, right. And we started dating in 1991. But in 1988, I asked her out on the, my, the first date. And I wasn't asking a lot of girls out on dates. Yeah. And so naturally, I asked her out to The Little Mermaid. Mm. And because I thought that was kind of How sweet. That natural? <laughs> Okay. All right. I, look, I was terrible at this. Yeah. Fair terrible. Enough, fair enough, fair enough. But so, 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 and she said, no, I've already seen that twice. Let's go see the war of the roses. Oof. And I went, and, and this is what I realized. Oh, she doesn't know this is a date <laughs> because that is the most unromantic movie you could possibly imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's too bad. Cause I go like, man, Danny DeVito, throw mama from train and this yeah. they're really well done movies war yes. of the roses is brutal but really well done yes agreed agreed um oh peggy sue got married is another kathleen turner one, that's right, right. that's right Ansel. <laughs> um terrible films howard the duck another terrible comedy. terrible terrible um a film that my girlfriend loves and is her favorite in 1980s com or one of her favorite 1980s comedies is heartburn the jack nicholson oh sure it's Meryl really Street good film, right i think that's is that Mike Nichols who does Heartburn? I know it's someone famous. I think it is Mike Nichols. Yes, yeah, I'm yeah. fairly certain. Interesting stuff. Oh, we didn't mention Short Circuit, Steve. A lot of people love Johnny Five, who is still alive. What do you think that, about Short Circuit? It's so funny, the ones that kind of missed me. Short mm -hmm. Circuit is not a one one that I, I mean, I saw it. But oh, I didn't see it a lot. Okay. Uh, I, I liked it, but I it never, it, it's weird, the ones that went into the rotation. It did not go into the rotation. 
Okay. Um, do you remember they still call me Bruce? They call me Bruce. Do you remember that one? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Here's the thing. I was obsessed with martial arts movies. Yes. So wait, wait. It's a super chat. I want to read it. Um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, someone sent in the super chat for you about. Uh, I saw it. I saw yeah, it. Okay. Okay. Sorry. It said it. Go ahead. It, it's, it asked about Big Trouble in Little China and The Last Dragon. Yes. And mentioned that I love martial arts, which is certainly true. So we've done Big Trouble in Little China on the cinephiles. We have. Yeah. I watched them both a ton. Big Trouble in Little China way more than The Last Dragon. Mm. I <laughs> The Last Dragon is really, really weird. Yeah, it is. I t- totally loved it in the eighties. Show enough, show enough, and oh. and uh, what is it? It's Bruce Leroy. Bruce Leroy, of course. It, it's so, and it kind of relates to they call me Bruce of this exoticizing of Asian culture. Well, and like he's actually Asian, and they call and they call me Bruce. Yes, but it, the whole joke is that he is a not a martial artist, but his name is Bruce, so everybody thinks that he does martial arts. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's really vague in my mind. Yes. But, and he's like a chef or something like that. He is. But yeah. I watched it a lot and loved it. And actually, the martial arts essay in The Last Dragon, my memory is pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I remember it is on Amazon Prime. They call me Bruce. So if any of you want to watch it, I watched the first hour maybe six months ago, just randomly. I was like, eh, well, I'll put it on to see if I and remember it- enjoying it. And it is a very, very dated movie. Yeah. Uh, but Johnny Yoon is hilarious in the movie, but the jokes he's making, I think you have to have lived through the 80s to get it. I mean, my favorite was, I once was hit by a Toyota. Oh, what a feeling, which is the slang, that, which was the right slogan, slogan yeah. for Toyota back in the 1980s. So yeah, that, they call me Bruce. They still call me Bruce. One of those interesting ones. Um, okay, let me see here. Jonathan Peck donated and said, although it might not get a cinephile's treatment, I want to give a shout out to UHF, Top Secret, and Twins. We talked about all three of those here in the yes. conversation, but some comedies do think uh, some comedies that I do think deserve the cinephile treatment, in my opinion, is Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And this one is a bit of a stretch, but Evil Dead 2, it's a horror comedy. Um, Look, you know, I'm getting some shit for my opinions on the Sam Raimi multiverse of madness. I think Sam Raimi is a damn good director for the films that he makes, for the films that are Sam Raimi's films. Absolutely. I didn't like him as the director for multiverse of madness because he brought those evil dead sensibilities over to multiverse of madness where I don't think it fit in my opinion, but I know a lot of people felt that did, but evil dead Two is a fucking awesome movie. And I remember seeing it, I took a date to see that movie <laughs> to Tackett's. No, Sherlington. I went to go see it at Sherlington and I took a young girl there to see it who I was dating at the time in my high school. So, yeah, I remember that being a weird ass film to go see and the experience of the madness of that film for sure. So I was forced to watch that movie because I never liked horror movies. And someone, <laughs> I think it was my friend Pete, brought it over and yeah. said, You got to see this movie, dude. And I was very resistant. And it starts off, and I'm like, this is a horror movie. I don't really want yeah, to watch yeah. this. And a low-budget kind of horror movie. And then there's a moment, and, and I, in particular, I mean, there's a moment where I like go, oh, this is something else. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and the moment where he gets like, does he attach a shotgun to his arm? Is that what it yeah. is? Yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah. And says, groovy. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm in on this movie. And I have to tell you, this is one of one of the lessons I learned that I heard was invented yeah. for Evil Dead, either either Evil Dead One or Evil Dead Two that uh-huh. the Cone Brothers used too, is a piece of equipment that I use many many times. It is one of the great 
cheap guerrilla filmmaker pieces of equipment, and that is the shaky cam. Oh, have yeah. I, have I told you about this? No, Don't remember. So the shaky cam is you take your camera and you take a eight foot long two by four mm -hmm. and you strap the camera in the middle of the eight foot long two by four and you have people on either side holding it. Yeah. And what it can do then is because you can't afford a steady cam, you can't afford a boom or a crane is they can run with it and lower it down so people could step over it. They could lift it up really high so people go under it and yeah. you go like this with it. So you get these crazy steady ish camera moves and if you watch evil dead 2 and you see that camera like flying in it people are coming down from the top yeah. or up from the bottom yeah. totally the shaky cam that's that makes sense um uh jmb says i blew it with my last one because i remember now i'm just listening to steven scott talking about terry gar from assignment earth that's right enterprise incidents so there you go that went out that went out today yeah terry gar another uh woman who had some great comedy or good comedies in the 1980s for sure uh and justin toner said oh i almost forgot the great spoof comedies of the 80s like airplane the naked gun and one of my favorites top secret with val kilmer which we yes. just talked about and touched on as well well steve we're 90 we're about uh, 80 minutes into the show do you think this is the time to uh announce i feel like it's the time to announce what comedy we might be doing we are going to do here on the cinephiles as we're getting close to wrapping things up here well i don't know have we I, I don't know that we have the answer i mean oh, i you, okay. you, i mean what do we <laughs> maybe you I, I thought we did i thought we'd agreed on it since we were going to announce it did we not okay no, i don't know that we did but maybe we did <laughs> okay like i don't remember what it is you said tootsie at the beginning of the show this is the most awkward public moment in the history of the cinephiles <laughs> i don't thinking on my I, i'm not feeling awkward at all i'm happy to do tootsie if that's no it's not gonna be meatballs homo erectus uh but i'm no. happy well no tell, tell me of the one that you think we agreed on i'm very curious i thought we agreed on beverly hills cop oh i didn't know we ever actually said for sure that we would do it i i would love to do beverly hills cop and i would love to do tootsie i'll do either one let's do them both what about right. do them both back to back okay i'm down. beverly what do you think? People watching, let's. I would like to see a bunch of thumbs up or thumbs down, rapid succession. Yeah. Is this a good idea or a bad idea? Oh, it's not. No, nothing. There's no response. Well, no response. Give, give them a second. They got to think about it a little bit. Uh, uh, Harry and the Henderson, Steve. We oh haven't even touched on that. We There's about so many. That. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't remember if we mentioned Interspace. It's come up a couple of times, but yes. that's another one. Yeah. Yes. Interspace. Killer clowns from outer space. Come on. <laughs> Jim Varney um, ruled the 1980s in his small way, straight, oh my God, to, yeah. straight to DVD way with his earnest films. Um, I I am very excited about this plan. Um, mm -hmm. and I'm also I'm also excited. I'm honestly very very proud of the Spike Lee work we did over yeah. the last few months. Ditto. And I'm very very happy to be doing some light stuff. <laughs> That's yeah, how I feel. Not, there was a lot going on, uh, for sure. I mean, if we missed you, I mean, the people, I, I didn't like K9, but I know some, oh, no, I like K9. I don't like Turner and Hooch, but I remember Jim Belushi, you know, kind of coming into his own 1980s with Red Heat, mm -hmm. K9, a couple other films as well in the 1980s. Oh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. How could we There's a whole set of stuff. Rick Moranis there, of course, doing incredible work there with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. A couple people just put up Ruthless People. That's another one I watched <laughs> oh, a lot. God, yes. Yeah. Great Luther Vandross song on that as well. Mm. Uh, but, uh, that's also Helen Slater with Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold, um, yeah. Uh, 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 Danny DeVito. That's right. Um, and Bette Midler. Yes. Bette Midler, yeah. 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 Um, oh, Mannequin. How could I not even, how would I forget Mannequin? I was talking to Andrew McCarthy earlier 
Um, and yeah, Mannequin, such a, a classic for a lot of people with a great Starship song, song Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now that oh, Michael that's right. does on karaoke all the time with our friend Vicky and our former guest who has been on the show as well. So yeah. I, I, yeah, the, I'll tell you what's been funny about this conversation. Yeah. Is that I've A, totally enjoyed it. I have B, now feel like I have a whole list more of movies <laughs> that I want to revisit. And C, I'm really bummed out this doesn't exist. What you the? What, oh, that these movies these don't, kinds of movies that's don't exist. The reason why we love them so much, Steve, because they don't exist. That's the joy. That's the tragedy and the joy of, I guess, a situation like this. It makes you appreciate it even more. If we yeah. had 600 plus comedies every decade, these would just kind of fold in on themselves. But the <sighs> fact that this decade stands out above almost all decades, in my opinion, in terms of comedies, um, that's what makes it so special and yeah. makes us cherish it even more. I would think. You're saying absence makes the heart go fonder? Yes, I think that is what I'm saying. I think you're right. I think I'm <laughs> going to have like a single tear, but I'm going to love these comedies so much and hold them to my heart. A little bit of tear, let you down. A little <laughs> bit of tear all around. Uh, JMB says, is there a foreign comedy from the 80s that you guys enjoyed? Well, I just said they call me Bruce. No, I'm just joking. Um, what is there a foreign comedy? Uh, well, uh, this is where my ability to come up with stuff on. I'm certain that there is. Let me see. But I don't know what it is. Comedies of the 1980s. I'm going to find that. Uh, okay. I like the challenge. It's a good one. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess we'll have to go to just best form. Ron was not a comedy. Fitzcarraldo was not a comedy. Is that what's coming up on the list? I mean, Cinema Paradiso? Not a comedy. It has funny things in it, but I wouldn't call it a comedy. I guess you're right. No, nothing's really coming up. It's all just foreign movies. So foreign movie comedies of the 1980s. Um, how about should I say international comedies? International comedies. I mean, La Caja Faux came out, I think, in the 1980s, the French version. Okay. Uh, but I don't remember seeing that one. I don't know if there are any. Were there any French? Again, yeah. I'm not good at coming up with things like this. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just looking here, man. I don't see. Kind of crazy to think that Akira was from the 1980s, man. That's really weird to think about. Mm. It feels much more of a close. Like 88, point. isn't it? 88, yeah. 89? Yeah. 88, 89. Um, yeah, I don't see anything here that is that is comedy-based. I don't know if a lot of comedies made it through other than you know we talked about british comedies i guess that counts as foreign comedies but not necessarily foreign languages but yeah uh, go ahead, <laughs> someone just put up dust boot <laughs> <laughs> three hours hilarious hilarious in three hours yeah um yeah no i don't see anything guys uh, most of them are are um the british ones that are any foreign ones so i don't see any that have come over from the night from the foreign film if there's any that you recommend um or jmb that you remember please let us know I, I don't see anything here that i remember at all so yeah um yeah I'm all looking. right so go ahead man go ahead man so we're planning on tootsie and beverly hills cop yes are you gonna look at watch one of these guilty pleasures in the next week and if so which one? Ooh, i would say beverly hills cop let's keep it keep it chill no no what? i'm asking i'm asking if oh. you're gonna watch a lesser comedy oh like one of these you know dragnet or oh one, one of these movies in the near future which would be the one like oh, if you're gonna sit Jesus. down to watch one of these 
I don't know, man. I don't know. It's been a, it's, I don't know if I'd feel the inclination necessarily right now with, with everything I got going on. What about you? Do you have something? It, you have something? Looking at these lists, the ones that jumped out of me are yeah. back to school. Oh yeah. Definitely. That jumped out of me and dragnet. Those are the two. And yeah. as silly as I, you know, the thing about, okay, back to school, I am confident that I know I have a good sense of how good that is. Oh, I know what the cheesy parts are. I know yeah. what the bothersome parts are. And I know the scenes that I think are really funny. Right. In dragnet. I have no idea. Dragnet yeah. could be a shit show. Or I, I memorized really that film. It. So I, you know, I, I actually was watching this. I guess that's why I can't say that to you because I will randomly watch them. You, I will yeah. I haven't watched these in forever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I watched Dragnet just a few days ago, just a few months of weeks ago uh, and enjoyed about an hour of that. So I'll always just kind of flip on, you know what one I could revisit that I haven't revisited in forever. It could be a lot of fun. We haven't even talked about it without mm. a clue. Michael, oh. King, Ben Kingsley. Okay. I love that movie. Love it's it. Such a great film. No one talks about it in the lexicon of great Sherlock Holmes movies. And that movie is excellent. Ben Kingsley is John Watson who hires Michael Caine as an actor to play Sherlock Holmes because nobody believes that Watson is actually the one solving the crimes. It's genius. So, so you know how there's things that you quote that nobody knows what the hell you're talking about? <laughs> Karen and I, the number of times we say to each other, his name is Artie Morty. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> That's great. That's so good. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't mentioned Adventures in Babysitting. Elizabeth yes. Shue, another great comedy in, in, in uh, actress there in the 1980s. And that is a phenomenal film. And, of course, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, which is a bit of a sci-fi comedy. It's a weird sort of, yeah. <laughs> that a lot of people swear by. Uh, for sure. Um, well, Steve, I think we have talked a lot about these comedies from the 1980s. We could mention Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, Monster Squad. Sure. Sure, there were some horror comedies that rolled through, as you mentioned, Evil Dead 2. So, so She-Devil. So there's a lot of 1980s comedies that we covered and talked about through the whole genre. And we've announced that we're going to be doing Beverly Hills Cop and Tootsie uh, as two of our upcoming episodes here for the yep. Cinephiles from the 1980s. Any final words? As we wrap up our conversation here, and I hope you all got a nice chuckle and laugh and maybe took a break from the madness of the world and enjoying our 90-minute show here talking about these 1980s comedies. Steve, any final words as we wrap up? My final words is I think we all need a laugh. That's my <laughs> final words. I think go out and watch something silly and enjoy its silliness, and, and you can have one small part of your brain judging the things that maybe aren't appropriate, and that's absolutely we should do that. Absolutely. But be silly enjoy the silliness enjoy these really talented comedians getting together to make some fun films that's my final words yeah and if we mention any films that you hadn't seen or hadn't thought about or hadn't remembered and you were like oh god i always wanted to see it watch it comedy is so essential so important to take your mind off things that it's not a crime to watch it we all need balance in our lives and sometimes taking 90 minutes uh, an hour and 50 minutes two hours to watch a comedy so you can just kind of detox from the world and have a and get some laughs because you never know the power. As as the Joker once said, you ever have you ever heard of the healing power of laughter? And so just give into that and enjoy that uh, with all the stuff that's going on in our world. And we we as I said, we hope that we uh, kind of give you a smile or gave you a laugh today uh, and inspired you to go watch some of these 1980s comedies. And we can't thank you all enough for joining us. Thanks for the Streamlabs and the super chats. Please remember to hit a like on this video and share it on your social media. Uh, maybe put the hashtag cinephiles 1980s comedies or something like that yeah to, to, to put it out there for people to come and uh, subscribe to our channel 
Uh, and I said, hit a like, leave a comment down below. Let us know if we missed any of the comedies that you love and cherish from the 1980s as well. Steve, uh, what do we have to tell them and where can they find you? Well, they can find me at SR Morris on Twitter, SR Morris one on Instagram. And what I have to tell them <laughs> is that they're on Patreon. They can listen to us talk more and more with our cinephile shorts. They can hear whole versions of our multi-part movies pushed down into one gigantic long mp3 file they can suggest films that they do we can suggest shorts and that is on patreon.com slash the cinephiles they can buy or stream every movie we've ever done on cinephiles.net and you can go check out enterprise incidents for all your star trek needs and yes the episode that just went out has terry gar in it yeah <laughs> it was great uh, in the 1970s and 80s, for sure. Uh, as for me, you can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, the Outlaw Nation on Twitch, uh, and my YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash John Roca says. See all the stuff that's going on there. A lot of changes happening uh, on that channel, so go and get aboard. Uh, go and come aboard to all the stuff that's happening there and enjoy it uh, as well. And my other podcast, the Geek Buddies and uh, the Top Ten. All right, y'all are amazing. Have a great rest of your Sunday. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of the Cinephiles Live. Peace until then and enjoy a laugh. <laughs>